Reading Citizens, and welcome to Unknown. Jason McClellan. I'm here with Shane Hurd. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation, that new UFO show on history brought to us by Tom DeLong and his team of military, government, and aerospace insiders at To The Stars Academy, aired its fourth episode on Friday, June 21st. We were all a bit busy at AlienCon last weekend, so we didn't get a chance to recap that episode. We'll take care of that today. And yes, the fifth episode aired on Friday, June 28th, but we won't discuss that one on this episode because we're actually recording this before that episode airs. So we'll cover that one on a future episode of Unknown. Before we get to our discussion about episode four, however, we're going to tell you about our experience at AlienCon. AlienCon Los Angeles took place June 21st through the 23rd, at the Los Angeles Convention Center in downtown Los Angeles, California. Ryan Sprague and I presented and participated in a wide range of programming at AlienCon LA. My wonderful friends and colleagues Shane Hurd and Maureen Ellsbury were there all weekend as well. And we actually all recorded an episode of Unknown live on stage at AlienCon. We'll have that episode ready for your ears soon. Shane, this was your first AlienCon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. What did you think? Well, I thought it was awesome. They, they, um, I thought it was well coordinated, well managed. Uh, the facility was great. Um, you know, it was it was different than a, a UFO conference in that, you know, they had like fifteen stages or rooms going <laughs> at any given at time, and you time, had to yeah. pick and choose. Yeah, so that was a little different, but you know, that was cool and. You know, got to see a lot of people and, um, you know, some good information. There, there was actually a lot of UFO information. I, I was surprised a little bit by how much of that. But um, and then, of course, you know, the ancient aliens things. And um, we even got to see William Shatner, which was pretty cool. Yes. So, yeah, for for people who don't know, AlienCon is put on by the people who do Ancient Aliens, and it's essentially an Ancient Aliens fan fest. So it has a big presence there. All the Ancient Aliens people are there, and, you know, they do big things on the main stage all weekend long, um, and they have photo ops and autographs and all that stuff. But, yes, in the, just the past uh, couple of these that they've done, they've really expanded their programming, like you said, Shane, and and really offer a whole lot of UFO related programming and they pull people in like us to, you know, give lectures, to participate on panels. Um, something that Ryan and I did was lead an experiencer session to let people come in and, and share their experiences because something we pointed, we've pointed out before that we really love about this type of event is it's a pop culture event. And yeah. a lot of the people who come here, come to come to events like AlienCon haven't really ever talked about the subject of UFOs or extraterrestrials in public, you know, to any friends mm-hmm. or, or relatives, um, even if they feel they've had some sort of major experience or, you know, contact or, or anything traumatic, they've never told anybody. So, you know, that's the extreme. Then even on the casual and people who just like have a casual interest in the topic of UFOs, 
because of the the stigma surrounding the topic, they feel that they can't admit that to people lest they be made fun of. So you get this whole mix of people who have this interest in the topic for one reason or, or another, yet they haven't discussed it in public. So they come to Alien Con where they have this safe space in quotes where they you know are surrounded by like-minded people and feel they can open up. And so in the experience recession or in any of the, the panels or, or podcast recordings we held and invited people to openly discuss or, or share personal stories, it is just fascinating seeing these people open up because you can just see like the layers melt off and they're all, wow, this is kind of unreal. I've never talked about this before and I can talk about it here and people aren't laughing at me. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, there were like three or four people who said, you know, I've never told anyone but my husband or my wife about this, you know, and and yet they were walking up to a microphone in in front of, you know, 50, 100 people, whatever it was, and and let it rip. And I I was just so impressed how brave people were. And then you could really see how, you know, the emotional impact on them. And it was obvious when they were, were you know, uh, recounting what had happened. So, and the audience was really great too. They were real, you know, empathetic, and uh, you know, applauded for these people. And so it was. It, I, I thought that was just awesome. I'm I'm always so glad to see that too when that happens because, you know, I'm always worried there's going to be some jerk who who just wants to be an asshole and will mm. make fun of these people or make some comment like hurry up other people want to talk and yeah. you know some of these people like you said Shane you can tell that they are they're visibly visibly fragile mm-hmm. and they it's taken all of their courage to get up in front of this crowd first of all and then to share something that they've held in for the in some cases their entire lives mm-hmm. um you know so it's it's taken a lot of bravery for them to be up there and they're in a real, really fragile state I'm always worried that somebody's going to do something stupid, but they haven't. So yeah. it's really great to see people. Yeah, you're right. That, that audience is great. Yeah, they were. They behaved very well. Yeah. No, I, I love the Alien Con crowd. They're fantastic. And you're right. It's it's a completely different experience from a, a purely UFO conference. So it's a lot of fun. And one of my favorite things, Shane, something I had the most fun doing was judging the costume contest. That was just <laughs> a blast. I mean, there was some great cosplay there. People really got into it. But yeah. also, I mean, my fellow judges made it just an absolute blast and a, and a hoot. They were both hilarious. And that was, of course, Paul Hynek and Robert Picardo from Star Trek uh, yeah. Voyager. And they were just both amazing. I don't believe I'd met either of them before, but getting to, to judge the costume contest with them was a blast and certainly a lot of fun. But... Then, of course, spending some extra time, and, and you did too with Paul Hynek. Paul Hynek is, is such a great guy. It was just yeah, a he is. privilege to be able to meet him and spend some time with him. Yep, loved it. Yep, that was, that was fun stuff. And, and then they had the big dance on Saturday night where they, where they you know, presented the winner of the contest. And it was a pretty fun setup. They had a couple of bars going. They had the music going. They had the, the, the contest. And... You know, people were dancing and just lots of people chatting and it, it was really a good time. I, my wife and I both just just enjoyed it immensely. That's right. And that's always the best part of any event like this. We always say that again, social <laughs> aspect, right? It's the yeah. social aspect, being able to, to hang out with people, um, have discussions and just hang out, grab a drink and, and talk and meet people 
And the AlienCon party is a perfect place for that. It's pretty funny. At times, it reminds you of being at a junior high dance or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun. AlienCon LA was a, a great event. The next one's going to be in Dallas. And uh, yeah, so keep checking their website and follow them on social media because they seem to be doing this twice a year thing where they're doing it in different locations. So do follow them. Their website is thealiencon.com. Check them out and... Keep your fingers crossed that AlienCon comes to you if you can't make it to AlienCon. Yep, and they even have a phone app. <laughs> they do, yes. Yeah. So each event, they launch a phone app, and, and we talked about that before. Ryan and I love this thing because yeah. it has the schedule on there, and you can mm -hmm. you know favorite different things on the schedule. Like Shane said, it's difficult to navigate everything because they have multiple stages going at the same time. So you, you do have to pick and choose which ones you're going to see and which ones you're going to miss. Um, the app helps you do that, keep track of your schedule. It can send you push notifications to alert you when things are coming up. But also, it has a built-in community where people yeah. are posting messages and, and interacting with each other directly in the app. So during the event, there's this whole mobile community just within that app of people who are at AlienCon. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, it was neat. Well, all right, let's get into our unidentified conversation. But first, here's a brief recap of what episode four of Unidentified showed us. So in the first three episodes of this show, they primarily focused on what is known as the Tic Tac incident, a Navy UFO encounter that occurred back in 2004 off the coast of San Diego. But in episode four, the show's investigator, Lou Elizondo, heads east to meet up with two active Navy servicemen who say they were personally involved in UFO incidents that occurred in 2014 and 2015 off the East Coast. These pilots are Lieutenant Ryan Graves and Lieutenant Danny Acoin. These pilots share their assertions that UFOs followed the Navy strike group up and down the coast for months and even reappeared when the strike group was deployed to the Arabian Gulf. At one point, Lieutenant Acoin even asserts that at least 50 others aboard the USS Roosevelt uh, that he knew of, at least, were aware of this UFO activity. Also in the episode, we see Lieutenant Graves summoned to Washington, D.C. to give a secret closed-door briefing about these UFO incidents. So that's pretty cool, and we've known this was coming. It was cool to see it presented on the show, um, what do you think of the episode, Shane? Yeah, I thought it was great because they, um, first of all, like you said, mostly all we've heard about is the 2004 Nimitz case, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Right. But we knew these other videos were out there and that they weren't part of that sighting. So, um, we really got some real confirmation information about, uh, this activity on the East coast. And so I like what they did with the episode. They, I, I like that they, that Lou took Dave Fravor with him. Sure. And perform the interview on um, on Ryan Graves, and then later on Danny Acoin as well. Um, and they got you know got the testimony from these pilots, and then they got a lot of information that correlated stuff. So you know that that whole thing about I think they identified you know the 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 gimbal video is basically a saucer. They had the cube with a sphere around it, and then the go fast was another round spherical object so three different objects so we got that kind of um 
explain. I thought that was good. And then the fact that they're saying that, you know, this is happening on a daily basis for mm. months and months. Yeah. That's a mind blower. That's not a, you know, a fluke or, or freak signing or, I mean, that, that is, that's heavy duty contact, you know? And, and in fact, I think that way they put it is they said we were stocked for months by these things. So that, that is, that's a, that's a concerning thing, especially when you're in the military and you're operating, a, uh, you know, practicing for war and you have, you're being stocked by these things. Uh, I'm sure that made quite an impression on them. Absolutely. And, you know, it's great to see more pilots on the show talking about their personal encounters. That's something, you know, that the, the show is, is, uh, you know, very firmly behind. They want to help these active and former uh, military service people to be able to come out and talk about experiences they've had because like we're seeing, it's, it's common. <laughs> yeah. People are seeing these strange things they can't explain all the time. And it's not just a handful of people here and there. It's a lot of people um, who do, during their service are seeing these things in the sky. So, yeah, and think about the power of that testimony from right. from those kinds of people, those witnesses. That's that is strong evidence, right? And we do want to point out, you know, we have to remember that everything these guys are saying on the show, because they're active duty, has to be okayed by the Navy and the DoD. So the DoD okayed what we're seeing on the show. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, good point. And you know, something I like seeing too, but it's also you know, it's a little confusing and we understand why, but we see Lou's continuing uh, struggle and frustration with his efforts, you know, worrying yeah. that he, you know, through these efforts, he's going to look disingenuous in his quest, right? Because he keeps yeah. bringing up the fact that, you know, he can't disclose or he can't break his, his security oaths. He may know other things, but he can't divulge that but he still has to go down this, this course and try to find information, even though he might already have the information. So, you know, he's self-identifying that that's a problem, but it is kind of a confusing problem, right? This is the, yeah. the lead investigator on this show leading the viewer through this quest, but at the same time, he's kind of saying, yeah, I've done this and I kind of know some answers. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. In fact, he kind of got a little emotional, I think, along with that. And, you know, but, you know, I, I think the the explanation for that, that that to me hit, hit home and I thought was very reasonable and solid was was that what their effort really is, is an effort to get Congress to listen to these accounts. And when when he um, he was speaking there with Chris Mellon, they were explaining that, you know, this is a system and you have to work within the framework of that system. So you just can't go throwing out the alien thing all the time. You know, you you, have, you know, there's a specific way and specific words that you use when you approach uh, Congress and these people so that you don't look crazy, right. um, that you're not violating your security oaths. Um, but that you're bringing forth, you know, good witnesses and good data, data. And I think even one of the pilots said uh, it was Graves that, you know, he wants to communicate to to Congress that, you know, I'm bringing you the facts of the things that I saw. I'm bringing you the data. 
I'm not giving you an opinion on what it was. And you, you need to make that decision, you know. So I thought that was really good, explaining why they're tippy-toeing all around this thing. It's because the, the ultimate goal is to get Congress to take some action. And to do that, you just got to gotta work within the framework of the system. So I really thought that was an excellent explanation. Right. And we saw Mellon bring up a point that we've made on a previous episode, and that is Congress is the place you go to when you want money, right? They're the, they're the yeah. check writers. So, you know, to get things done, you got to, got to convince Congress. And this is the whole funny thing to like, try to wrap your head around in this whole unraveling or trying to unravel this mystery. And that is keep in mind, according to Lou and other people involved, the Pentagon's still running its UFO program. So yeah. they already have people on the inside who are looking into the UFOs and they're already aware of it. They're already doing whatever they're doing. So, you know, that's interesting, but yeah. now we're doing this end around trying to get Congress to do something that maybe is different from the, what the Pentagon's doing. Well, yeah, it's, it's really to, to move it from secrecy to public, right? That, I mean, that, that's, that's the, the real effort. And that's probably what Lou is talking about when he's saying, you know, I know things I can't divulge. I mean, it's the secret part or sensitive or whatever term you want to use um, that you just can't blurt out yet. And even within Congress, you've got to bring those people along carefully. So and then, you know, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting is we got to see a little more of that Steve Justice I'm thinking yep. that's a serious dude right there. Just his whole mannerism and, and the, the way he was speaking, you know, he, he impressed me as a guy that, you know, he knows some stuff too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He does. Yeah. I love when, when I see, see Steve justice come on the screen and I'm like, Oh yeah. Talk to that guy more. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's serious as a heart attack, but you know, <laughs> I, I like, I like too the way that their, their conversation went though, where, where at first they're kind of talking about, the possibility of this being, you know, American or Chinese mm -hmm. or Russian. And, yep. you know, we can't discount that possibility. And they kind of flirt with that for a minute or two. But then they, they, you know, kind of flip it around and say, but, you know, really the evidence suggests that that's not the case. In fact, I think Lou even said, look, the Russians and the Chinese, they're in the same boat we are. We don't know what this is. So yep. I thought that was kind of a cool little clue right there. Right. But at the same time, we're seeing them float that more and more. I yeah. am noticing that, that they're, they're bringing up the, the terrestrial explanation more and more. And so are the mainstream articles that we're seeing pushed out in conjunction with this. Mm -hmm. So that is interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that. And yeah. also something else too is, you know, it's interesting hearing the stories um, that came, especially from, from Danny, from Lieutenant Coyne, that, you know, at least according to him, a lot of people aboard uh, the ship were aware of these UFOs. And he even comments about an admiral who allegedly came in and watched one of the videos and was sort of unimpressed or unfazed, <laughs> like kind of a, huh, and then walked out after yeah, seeing no the video. Kidding. So, I mean, that to me, and especially if these things are happening on a daily basis with, you know, multiple objects and all of your pilots and stuff and people all over these vessels know about these objects, 
that tells me that, you know, the Navy, it's not a, not an issue of pilots not coming forward to, to divulge these things. It seems like they're very well aware that they're there and they just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, honestly, this is kind of just personally my take on that whole, why they keep pushing that is, is again, to, you know, not, not run up the stigma flag, but just, you know, give people an out, you know, congressmen and military and intelligence officials by, by continuing to say, you know, threat and could be, you know, Chinese or Russian or our own, that gives people some cover to, to go ahead and openly consider this a possibility. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. it's a safe way. It's working within that framework and that system. However, it is curious to me is when the point comes when that no longer works because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, so much data, so many people come forward that, that, that explanation is not going to work. Right. Um, that it'll be interesting to see where this whole thing goes. It, it will be. And, you know, I, I, I like this approach. I really do. But I also have to keep in mind, you know, I, I have a, a, a little, little bit of fear that mm. this could all backfire. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, I mean, if it does come out that the Navy says, hey, just kidding, that was our technology. We were testing this, you know, secret radar reflecting technology, and that's why it was at all of our test sites and following the ships and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, and we were just testing how it would work, number one, with our technology and what kind of reaction our own people would have, mm-hmm. you know, to this stuff. If that all comes out after all of this effort, that could do more harm than good. Right? Oh, after absolutely. building up UFOs and trying to get people to take it seriously and demonstrating that there's, you know, otherworldly technology at play here, then only to have them say, yeah, that's us, then that balloon is deflated. And I don't think yeah. you could get back up after that. No, and that, that's a, a, a right out of the 1953 Robertson panel playbook, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely it is. Yeah, and they've been doing it for 70 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to be a pessimist, so I'm, no, I'm no. going to remain optimistic. Yeah, and, I agree, uh, I agree. But, you know, it, even if that does happen, so many seeds have been planted and so many new people, a whole new sure. generation, um, you know, I it won't ever go away. And, right. if, and something, if they are... UFOs, if there's if there's someone else, they have a say so too. You know, absolutely, what I'm <laughs> and that's why you know I I really hope people do understand and and pay more attention and and do more research and understand that it's not just the military, right? It's not just yeah. Navy fighter pilots seeing this. It's people all over the world every day seeing strange things in the sky they can't explain. This is a a global thing that happens to absolutely everybody. Mm -hmm. So even if the military comes up with an explanation for what they've been pushing in three videos that uh, were released by the Pentagon, that doesn't mean that all UFOs are of terrestrial origin. You can't just wipe that away. Right. It'd it'd be probably the equivalent, a modern day equivalent of the whole swamp gas thing. Yeah, that's right. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. It's not going to happen, Shane. We're going to keep our fingers crossed. That's right. Pushing <laughs> it through. You got it. Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, I invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Rogue Planet. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the fourth episode of Unidentified or anything else UFO related that's on your mind. Just a heads up, we won't be publishing a new episode next week because I'll be at the annual Roswell UFO Festival in Roswell, New Mexico. 
So that means we'll just have to cover two episodes of Unidentified the following week. And of course, I'll share with you my experience from Roswell. Shane, I'm going to miss you in Roswell this year, buddy. I know. I hate that I got to miss it, but you know, sometimes you life happens. can't do it all. Right. Yeah, life happens. I get it. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you're notified when we publish new episodes. And if you haven't done it already, please do us a big favor and take a minute to rate and review Unknown on your favorite podcast platform. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer, Caleb Hanks, for the show's intro and outro music. Check out all his work at TheClerkChronicles.com. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.